Let's begin our time together. Our Father, we thank you so much for the privilege, Lord, of studying your word. So much going on in the world. So much that causes men to fear. Lord, you are our God, and you are our refuge, and you sovereignly work your designs and what you have ordained. We do thank you. We rest in you, O blessed Christ, our Redeemer, as we study your word that you would bless us. May it be a profitable time together. In your name, amen. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. The Apostle Paul says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. We come this morning to consider more particularly verse 8. And as we consider verse 8, we see at the outset that Paul is now emphatically reinforcing what he has said in verse 7. Paul begins in verse 8, by saying, yet indeed, I also count. That is, he is saying, what's more, I consider. What's more, I consider all things lost. What Paul is stressing here is his attitude towards all the losses that he has experienced and that all God's people will experience. And he did not have any second thoughts whatsoever. His decision was not an impulsive act of breaking with the past, no. But it was a deep-seated resolution that he had not in any way regretted. That's what he is saying when he says, yet indeed, I also count. He continues to regard all past privileges, his status before the religious world, and all the rest, anything else, that he might have confidence in as loss for the sake of the glorious personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the context of knowledge of the Lord Christ. Secondly, he goes further to say in verse 8, 
Yet indeed I also count all things. Now in verse 7, he was saying that he counted the loss, that is, the status in which uh, he could brag about if he was to have confidence in the flesh. Um, but all of that loss for Christ. Now he comes in verse 8. He goes further to say all things, not only his Jewish heritage, not only the achievements that he made, but if he had any property and he lost it, if he was disinherited by family, or if he lost a job or wealth, all things where confidence is put, he counts as loss. What we live for, what we set our affections upon. And so the confidence here is broadened because we can <coughs> have confidence in our status as professing believers going to church, praying, in other uh, such characteristics. We have confidence in our status but when he says all things, it broadens it to the point of putting confidence in our wealth, where we're not even thinking of God. We're simply putting everything, our attention, our affections, yea, all of our strength, all of our effort in acquiring wealth, in the job that we have in the property that we own. Our whole desire is to own more and more, to have bigger houses, all things, anything whereby we put our confidence to the exclusion of the Lord Jesus Christ and our God, what we live for. So that you see as we profess to be in Christ. It's like we desire to have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. And yet, that cannot be. So our Lord makes it very clear in Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Your confidence cannot be divided. It is all in Christ or none. And therefore, Paul makes it very clear. Yet I consider and count all things lost. Thirdly, here is what his confidence is in. He says, For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For the knowledge that is of unsurpassed worth. When God's grace is mentioned, 
in Holy Scripture. It is described as the riches of His grace. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul says that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Riches! There is where true riches exist. Riches that cannot even be compared to any wealth that one would have in this present evil age. Riches. And you see this in Second Corinthians as well. When the Apostle, speaking regarding the Lord Christ, listen to what he says. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The treasure, the excellence, those are strong terms to describe the glory and the greatness of the power and grace of our God. Here's what we read back in Proverbs, the second chapter. Proverbs, the second chapter. Listen to Holy Scripture in verse 4. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If we backed up in the verse to get even a better context, in verse 1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, you see, precious metals. And so it is, the understanding, the knowledge. This is what the Apostle Paul is speaking of here. The excellence of the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what is all worth the loss of everything in this life if I may obtain the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And what about this knowledge? What is the characteristic of the knowledge that the Apostle is speaking of? Romans 11 and verse 33. Here's what Paul says. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Not only is it so profound, we can't even begin, obviously, to understand or to see, even in glory, we will not be able to see the entire depth of the wisdom and knowledge 
of God. We go through all eternity seeing more and more glory. But he speaks of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge. The excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. What beauty, what glory that is. Fourthly, we see that the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, as Paul refers to, is more than just facts about Him. When He speaks about the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, He is speaking of a knowledge that is living, that brings a saint in a close relationship with the Lord Christ. A very intimate relationship with the Lord. To where it's only in that context can we know anything. It is that knowledge and that glory that is revealed to us. Knowledge does not come initially by training or by book learning or by hearing sermons. But this knowledge comes exclusively by God's sovereign act in redeeming grace in Christ. That's why when Paul speaks of this knowledge, listen to what he says in Second Corinthians 4 and verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts. And how has He worked in our hearts this way? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That is that we understand. That is that we see. That is that we can get a hold of mentally regarding the glory and the beauty and the greatness of God. All of this in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is that which God commanded. It is that which He does. Sovereign act of God. Nothing can be worked up by men. Nothing can be found by men exclusively the work of Almighty God. Listen to Ephesians, the first chapter and verse 17 of that chapter. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, now notice, may give to you. He is the one who gives. He is the one who opens the eyes. When the blind men came to Him and pleaded, Lord, have mercy upon me. It is the Lord who put the salves upon the eyes to open that they might see. Whereas I was blind, now I do see. 
It is a sovereign act of God and God alone. Therefore, when Paul speaks to the people of God in relationship to their understanding and knowledge before God, this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10. He says, but God has revealed them to us. He has revealed a sovereign act of God in grace and in mercy. And He's done so through the third person of the Godhead, yea, Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. When men come upon the Word of God, professing Christians, how often it is that you go to Holy Scripture when you go to Holy Scripture and when you read Holy Scripture, do you first of all ask, Lord, grant me understanding. Give me knowledge. Or do you just go and read? You're having your devotions. Open the Bible. Here I am. You just began reading. Do you ever pause to ask, Lord, You are the one who grants knowledge. And then... Professing Christians wonder why they can't understand anything in the Word of God. They're not pleading to the One who is the source of all knowledge and grants it through the rich grace in Christ. If we are to understand anything, it is by God's grace given to us By the Spirit. That's what should be our approach to Holy Scripture. Paul couldn't learn enough about the Lord Christ. He sought to gain every little bit of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And everything that he learned And everything that he grasped, he saw that it was excellent. Excellent. Therefore, when he sees the beauty of Christ, and he begins to understand the person of Christ, and begins to understand the work of Christ on his behalf, and he sees eternity before him, and the glory that awaits Him, how pathetic is all of the riches of this present evil world. Look at that moment. Pathetic, dim, ugly. He puts confidence not in anything in this present life. All things he counts as loss, that he might gain. That's his focus. 
the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. But I want to notice one other matter here. And that is, Paul says, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, and then he says, my Lord. He adds warmth and the deep devotion that he has for his Lord. He calls him my Lord. Oh, how precious he is. My Lord, the one that I love and the one that I follow, the one that I obey, the one who intercedes on my behalf, the one who has shed his blood on my behalf. Sins are forgiven. This one, he is so precious. He is so excellent. He is my Lord, my Master. Whatever he says, I will do. Whatever he tells me, I will hear. I will do. Because he is my Lord. Nothing in this evil present age attracts me, says Paul. You are, Lord, my all in all. In Second Corinthians, and in the tenth chapter, listen to Paul in verse 4 of that chapter. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Listen to what he says. To bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is, this is my Lord. This is what I desire. This is what I'm striving for. This is what takes up my prayers and my time that I might walk worthy of the gospel. And then, of course, you know the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and verse 37 of that chapter. Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You're to love the Lord what? With all your heart. And this is what Paul is saying. Yes, yes, my Lord. When he says, my Lord, it is that sweet devotion. It is that love and running with the whole heart, 
with his whole soul, yea, with his whole mind. What he wants to grasp is the excellence of the knowledge of his Savior, the Lord Christ. My God, my Lord, that is his cry. The one desire for the people of God likewise. When he says in Colossians 1 and verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. He is my, my Lord. He is my Lord. Being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, because it's in that context of acquiring the knowledge of God that the Spirit of God who works in the context of truth so comes upon the people of God, stirs the heart, sanctifies, and brings them into every good work, increasing, strengthening with all might according to His glorious power. My Lord, my Lord, listen to Paul and his love for Christ. Here's what we read in Galatians 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. I live for Christ. He lives in me. My life is in Him. You remember the testimony of Thomas in John the 20th chapter when he does not believe and he is standing in unbelief unless he so reaches his finger, his hands into the side of the Savior, the Lord appears. And this is what we have in verse 27 of John 20. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And notice the response. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. That's it. That's it. Because, he says, the Lord says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That devotion, that love, you are my God. How do we perceive and how do we view this present evil age. Where are you placing your confidence? Is the confidence in your life here where you have no time for God? No time to obey? 
Are you not excited to know more and more about him? Do you view the knowledge that you have of Christ as excellent, as rich, as glorious? Or do you just have a bunch of facts that do not move the heart? that do not stir the heart to obedience, to be captive to the Lord. Where do you stand? And you see, when the Lord is so precious, and when you cry out before God, my God, this is one of the reasons why believers are members one of another in the context of a local gathering, yea, the church. In the local church, believers are functioning together and they all have this one aspect in common. They look at the Lord Christ, desiring to know more about Him and crying with the Apostle as we read in Philippians uh, 3, my, my Lord, my Lord, love Him in every way. Love to discuss Him. Love to speak of Him. And there's a close relationship then among the people of God. We're stirring each other up. We are edifying each other up. That's why our companionship, that's why those that we have the most pleasure of being in the presence of is the people of God who has the same desire to be with those who do not love God, to those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, have no real knowledge of Him, don't count it as excellent, will not cry out, My Lord, My God, what type of fellowship can we have? This is why in the context of the church it was so important to be part of that. When someone was cast out, why, they, they not only uh, endured the shame of it all, but one of the areas was that they were cut off from that fellowship, cut off from that intimate relationship with the people of God, those who loved God. And of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the purpose was that they might see and come to bear upon their own hearts their sins that have brought them to the place of being put out of the people of God and there would be repentance, not simply to be part of the people of God, but primarily is to be right with the Lord Christ, is to have that relationship. You cannot have that relationship and indulge and continue in sin. That's why believers one of another are dear. That's why when Paul says continue to love one another, Oh, how I love brother and sister in Christ. I love to talk about Christ. 
And when my brother or sister has so studied the Word, asking God who sovereignly gives knowledge to open their understanding and their mind, the Holy Spirit meets with them in the Word and shows them glorious things, then as a brother or sister, I'm inquiring. I am fellowshipping. And I am getting out of them what they saw. What is the excellence that you saw? Here's the excellence that I saw. And in every one, the Spirit of God works where there is that bond There is that devotion to one another. There is the companionship that we want. We are able to freely talk. And the Apostle comes when he says, here's my priority. I didn't have much upon the earth. He was one that went about. If you talked about poverty, it was him. He had nothing to hang his hat upon, persecuted, driven out, but a glorious ministry he had. And this one thing, as he counted all things lost, he had the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's it. That's all he desired. Psycho Simeon. He says, O Lord, that I could see the Lord Christ in Luke chapter 2. And if I see the Lord Christ, take me home. That's it. And He did. The glory that is in our Savior. May it be that you put no confidence in anything in this present evil world. Your confidence is in Christ. Your love is in Christ. Your time is in Christ. And all that you see is excellent, rich treasures that will be more fully disclosed in the day of glory. Our Father, we thank You so much for Your mercy to us and how You reveal Yourself. Everything we know about You, O blessed Lord, is so glorious. Wish we could learn a lot more. Wish the curtain was pulled back. You have said that Your wisdom is so deep and profound and rich. Lord, show us. Show us more. Open our eyes to more. You are the One who dispenses this knowledge. So we cry to You that You would do so. Holy Spirit, that You would work mightily. That even as we have heard Your Word, it would mean something today. It would mean something. That we could say before You, we have certainly been blessed. In Your precious name, Amen.